This is People Like Us, a show about Alt-MBA alumni. Here's Margot Aaron from Alt-MBA 8. Thanks, Margot, for talking to me today. I feel like I know you so well in that your website has so much of your personality in it. I even love that on the front page, you you say, here's a picture of me because I was told that having a picture of me is going to raise my conversion rate. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, a lot of that is because of Alt-MBA. Um, I, I definitely didn't have the same level of confidence in my voice uh, beforehand. Like it was that it was that practice of shipping consistently that reminded me that I need to be louder and it's okay. And which is a crazy thing to say to someone like me, because I am very, you know, I am very loud. (laughs) And so, uh, I, I sort of needed that push to get the consistency with, with publishing and being comfortable in my own skin. So I am thrilled that you landed on the site and that was your takeaway. Yeah. To, to appreciate that, that difference. I think it, it, it makes sense to start with who were you before Alt-MBA? And on your website, you asked the question of how do you get people to care? Where did that question begin to weave its way into your, into your life? Yeah. Oh, goodness, it feels like another life ago. But I started my career as a psychological researcher. And I was sitting in a lab um, where we were offering free treatment for depression. And we had a really difficult time getting people to sign up. And this problem perplexed me and drove me crazy because uh, where all of my colleagues were concerned with actually solving depression, I was like, guys, why is no one signing up for free treatment? This is insane to me. Um, And they were like, you are a weird person. And so I sort of accidentally ended up in marketing as a result because it turns out marketing is how you get people to care about something. It's matching someone's problem with the solution that you have and sort of create the conduit between the two. And so uh, when I was in graduate school, I sort of pivoted into that conversation a lot deeper. Um, But that's where it started. It really started with um, how do you get people to act in their own best interest? How do you make them do something good? Is that even possible? Because it's crazy to me that we live in a world where we have so many solutions um, and we are not using them myself included, right? Like we all know, we would all be, you know, what's the famous saying? Uh, if we, if we paid attention to the information coming at us, we'd all be millionaires with six pack abs, but there's like something getting in the way of us actually doing those things. And so that's, that's where it all started for me is that I was just fascinated with human behavior and why we make the choices that we make. Yeah. And when you made that change, was it still in the clinical research industry or did you, did you move into a, a completely different industry? Yeah, I, I moved into a different industry, but I did it slowly. So when I was in graduate school, I wanted to go for my PhD and I decided that I was going to stop and pivot into uh, the private sector. And uh, But I started in research. So I was doing market research, which is still kind of kosher for academia. It was like still acceptable, even though it wasn't as respected. Um, and that quickly turned into me joining a marketing agency. And so that that was where the pivot was a bit more abrupt and really saying goodbye to what you know my old way of life. Uh, but you you sort of have to get your mindset there. There's a lot of um, to quote Alta BA, a lot of sunk costs um, and feeling like there's loss when really you're gaining so much and moving closer to the thing that you're supposed to be doing. Um, but it was really hard to let go of those preconceived notions of what I thought my career should look like. 
and was supposed to look like in lieu of um, this new, the direction I wanted to move. And did you discover or were you able to answer that question of how do you get people to care? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So you have to find something that they already care about and link your thing to that. And so if I tell you, uh, for example, if you are bald and I have um, cream that will make you grow hair, if you don't perceive your baldness as a problem, you are never going to want my cream. Mm. (laughs) So I have to find a way to convince you your baldness is a problem by finding where you're insecure about it. For example, this is like the mean way to do it. Or you just can't. (laughs) You can't get someone to care about that. Um, Like I'd have to connect it to you will be smarter if you have hair on your head and you have to actually value being smart. So finding that link between what that person already cares about and the thing you want them to do. That's where the connection happens. Hmm. So what's the difference between doing it in a good way versus a bad way? Yeah, it's... It's a good question and one that marketers debate often. I go toe-to-toe with a lot of people on this because I have a very strong ethical stance. But uh, this is where it treads on the line of manipulation and exploitation. And it's very difficult to to answer this question directly because if I told you, um, well, it's, it's ethically okay if you're doing something in that person's best interest. But then we have to define that person's best interest because you could be you know, a fanatical religious person thinking that you are doing something in that person's best interest when you are not. Um, And so we have to be really, really careful with how we define how to use these tools. Uh, The way I define it for myself is one, you got to gut check. If you're feeling the slightest bit icky or like you're making someone do something, that's usually a sign that this is, you got to stop. And that's not okay. You should never make someone do something. But Um, Where I find it to be really useful is where if someone is experiencing pain of any kind and your solution can relieve them of that pain, then you actually have an ethical obligation to figure out a way to get them to care. So that could be this person is experiencing depression. It could be this person has health problems. It could be this person uh, is smoking. Uh, You know, you want to help them stop smoking. Um, It also could be you just need to butt out of that person's life and get that pain point to get to a level where they want to make a change themselves because that's ultimately where you need to meet people. Nobody is going... You can't make someone do something they don't want to do or convince them they have a problem they don't believe they have. Um, And so... But that's usually my, my barometer is like, where is the pain point? And if this is something that you believe you're struggling with and I have the solution, then I can try and get you to care about it. Switching gears, you have a pretty funny segment or or project that that I happened upon. It's Hillary and Margot yell at at websites. Tell me about that project. Yes, yes. Pam, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is actually such an alt MBA type project, even though Hillary wasn't in it. So my colleague Hillary and I, she really is a good friend now. Um, we were getting drinks and we were catching up, and I am very gun shy about social media. Um, not on purpose, but just, I, I'm like a bad millennial in that I feel really uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to be cool on these platforms. Like everyone else seems so cool and funny and interesting and pretty. And I'm just like, ah, what am I going to say? And, uh, and I have no problem by the way, doing all of this on email. But when it comes to like 
Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I am just totally gun shy. And so she is the opposite. She is just out there and bold and so unabashedly herself. And so we're sitting and having these marketing conversations. She's like, I'm going to get you comfortable. And I was like, no, you're not. And so she takes my phone and she starts Instagram storying. And I was like, oh my God. Um, and she's like, hi, I've taken Margot's phone, blah, 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 blah. And starts talking and having fun. So I took her phone and I was like, well, I'm going to do it too. And so I, um, we started talking to each other's audiences and it turned out her followers liked me and my followers loved her. And they were like, oh my God, can you guys do more of this? You guys are hilarious. And we thought, oh God, can we turn this into a show? Where because all really all we did was like yell motivational content about marketing <laughs> and like things that were making us angry. Uh, we were like, you guys must raise your rates, or you guys gotta do this. And uh, we were just having fun with it. And so that turned into a show. And we didn't, and here's the part where it's alt MBA is that we wanted to MVP it. We were like, okay, we're not gonna sit here and pontificate about like what is the brand and what are our goals and blah blah blah. We we're like, let's have some fun. Let's just talk. We'll have a few key points and we, we got to have a clear idea of who it's for and what it's for. But beyond that, it's just a test. And we'll just stick it on my YouTube page and see what happens. And we did it. And people were like, this is great. This is funny. Uh, we want more. And so we did it a few times that we started looking for uh, what we call green light indicators that we should keep going, which is effectively like, are people telling other friends? <laughs> That's what we wanted to know. And uh, and it started to get a little bit of a following. So we we're like, great, we will keep going. And so it's become a show. We call it Hamya. Uh, Hillary and Margot yell at websites. Uh, we think that's the best hashtag ever, but most people are like, what the heck is that? And uh, it's us getting really, really nerdy on uh, digital marketing and uh, the state of digital entrepreneurship right now. I love that. As a result of that project, are you more comfortable with social media now or is it still something that you're, you're working yeah. on? It still stings. I'll tell you what I'm more comfortable as a result is being on camera. So that's something that I am really uncomfortable with. Like I am very personable and outgoing one-on-one -on -one and, and sometimes in small groups and live. But the second you tell me it's being recorded, I get weird. I'm like, oh, okay. I got to say it like this and I need to, oh, this is forever and it could be sliced. And like, what are my talking points again? And I get like really weird. And so you can even tell if you watch some of the early episodes that when I'm like too stiff. Um, and so the act of showing up and being there has really helped desensitize me and get me more comfortable with just talking and not being like so stiff when the camera gets started. So that's been really helpful. Mm. So you touched on it earlier. Where, where does alt MBA come into the picture? Like what was going on in your life when you decided I'm going to do this thing? So I had been stalking the program for uh, pretty much since he launched, uh, Seth launched it. And, uh, I didn't think that I could get in. I, uh, I remember getting an email at the time that they were opening, uh, for applications again. And it was a time where I was running my marketing consultancy and I wanted to shut it down. And I had gone through the steps of actually shutting it down so I could pivot to the next thing. And I had a few projects that I was working on and I thought Alt MBA would be the perfect kind of transition um, and I, I didn't know what it was really. I think all of us kind of feel that way, but I knew it was what I needed, which is bizarre. And so, um, when I started the project, I went in thinking, you know, cause our first ultimate assignment, we're talking about our goals and what we're trying to do. And I think what I went in wanting to do 
fundamentally shifted by the end of it. I was like, oh, which was a win. It was a win because it saved me so much time. Um, and being able to really examine what I wanted, why I was going after it, who it was for, what it was for, why I was doing it, and really focus my efforts. And it also reignited my passion for writing. So I had been writing my blog, That Seems Important, for um, I think a year and a half at that point. And I was really, again, gun shy about it because I was like, I'm a blogger. I can blog. I'm a writer. And I would write something and then either it would hit and I would be like, oh no, I have eyes on me. And I'd be like, well, I can't possibly write anything else now because that's embarrassing. And so I I wasn't, I didn't have a good writing practice. Like I would ghost on my audience for a really long time. And so the Altamia, the one biggest thing that came out of it for me among the many was keep showing up and like, follow through on your commitments. And ever since then, um, I have written to my audience once a week. Like, and that has not stopped for all of the other, I mean, Twitter, I might ghost on my blog. I'm on and up, but my emails go out once a week, no matter what. And the alt MBA was what let me be okay with like, not everyone is going to hit, not every single email is going to hit. Um, some are going to hit it off the charts. Others, no one's going to care about. And like, that is actually the nature of the beast, then it has nothing to do with you. Like your job is just to keep showing up. And that has become the guiding mantra for my life of just, you keep showing up. Like what the market does after that really has nothing to do with you. Um, and like what, what people decide they like or don't like, you know, you can look at that ob- objectively instead of feeling like it's so personal. Um, and so it changed, it changed everything for me. Wow. So post Alt MBA, you're consistently showing up for your newsletter. What else did you end up doing post Alt MBA? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I shut down one project um, to focus on another. So I was running a virtual co-working community at the time, and doubled down on focusing on that. I had um, I had a, a three or four other projects in the fire, and decided that I needed to focus. So that was really helpful, um, and then. Um, getting clearer on my voice and what my platform was and growing my audience. Um, and then learning that I could teach. That was huge. Like I was, I had a lot of resistance to that because I thought like you hear everyone online is like, I'm teaching this course. And I was like, that's, I'm not that person. And then I thought I looked at the, the ultimate helped me look objectively at like what my strengths were. And, um, I had run some courses at the time that were doing well. And I thought, why are you avoiding this just because you don't want to be a douchebag? Like, just don't be a douchebag. Like, this isn't complicated. You know, when you, when you actually sit down and think about the reasons why you don't do or do do something, they're often really stupid. And so um, that was a really helpful lens through which to look at how I was running my business and what my platform was. So cut to today, like, I don't think I could have doubled down on um, that seems important as a platform for people who don't want to die with the best still inside of them um, and who want to do meaningful work and then teaching them the skills that they need to go out and do that and to believe in themselves, but also um, connect them with other people <laughs> who are like them because that's what you need. We need to know there's other weirdos like us out there. Otherwise, if we don't have the evidence, you're going to fall off course. So um, yeah, without the Alta Mie helping me think through all of those things objectively and not judge myself so harshly, um, not to mention the million ways it helped me manage uh, employees and contractors and think about business differently. Uh, I mean, those, those shifts were enormous. 
that's a whole nother podcast probably. <laughs> and and what's what's next for you? I, I think I read somewhere that you're you're writing a book. I am. I'm writing a book. So I will either be doing this for the next 10 years or just doing it right now. And <laughs> jury's still out. Uh, no, I'm writing a book and it is so much fun uh, to kind of play with an idea and put together your your manifesto on what matters and who it's for, and what it's for. Um, so right now I'm working on... Um, very similar to the thesis with my blog of why it's okay to want what you want and why one of the most important work that we do in this world, uh, we're actually ignoring, which is being introspective, asking those questions that we dismiss as fluffy. Like, what do you want? Who are you? What do you value? What, what matters to you? Because what scares me the most and what I saw a lot when I was running my consultancy, and also we all see this in our day-to-day lives, is people living quiet lives of desperation and people waking up at 43, 53, 63, 73 going, whoa, how did I get here? And never taking that pause to reflect on what actually matters to them. Because the truth is like, there is no one way to successful life. You don't, it might not be that you need to start a business. It might be that you want to be a present mom, whatever it is. But like knowing that answer for you is the most important part. And so that's, that's what the book is about. And what's what's stopping most people? Why does it take that moment when they're 43 for that to become a parent? Is it timing or is it age or is it something else? No, I've, it's fear. It's, it's always fear. Uh, fear either because it's a very painful conversation to have with yourself. Some of us are just straight up avoiding it. Um, two, it, you know, some of it is is also expectations. You know, the things that um, our parents wanted for us or that our friends want for us or wanting to fit in. It's a very normal thing to want. Um, and when you realize what you want might not fit into that status quo, uh, it might be a little different than that. It's hard to own it. Um, showing up as you uh, is is often what's holding us back. <laughs> it's It's the fear of being rejected, the fear of not being liked, the fear of am I qualified for this? It might not work. Um, it's not my turn yet. I still need to study. Uh, I think we are very, very discouraged by failure or what we perceive as failure. Um, and we also don't trust ourselves. We're not taught to trust ourselves. We're taught that we need to wait for, we need to be wait, waiting for permission. We need to be told it's your turn. It's time to do the thing. Um, there's all these myths about what it looks like to succeed that I don't think we take enough time to pause and actually consider what we believe is the answer to that question. And so that's what I really believe is holding us back. Like you need the right people around you um, who are influencing this. So if you are surrounding yourself with people who are very negative or um, don't have the same value system as you, um, which sometimes is good, you need diversity, but if they're holding you back in a way that they're keeping you small and not allowing you to level up, um, that is also a factor, like a really big factor, who you surround yourself with, how it contributes to what you think, what you're consuming, the types of books that you read, the types of media you consume, and what you feel about yourself. Um, those are huge, huge problems. But fear, fear is at the core of all of it. Well, I'm excited to to eventually read it. To close, I have one question that I ask everyone that I talk to. It's a fill in the blank. So how would you fill in the blank? Reach out if blank. Ooh, reach out if you need motivation to get started. I am great at whipping people's ass into action. (laughs) 
That is my favorite thing to do because I think you need to get started. I think we need to get more comfortable with jumping into the arena and failing publicly. Um, And if I can normalize that for you, because we're all doing it, it's kind of like the VC model. You take a bet on like 10 companies, but you expect only one to hit. Same kind of thing in life. Like you got to do 10 things and most of them will fail, but one of them is going to work. So yeah, hit me up. I love that. Well, thank you, Margot, for being a part of this community and practicing what you preach. It's clear that what you ask others to do, you've done yourself. And I think that's extremely important. Thank you. That means a lot. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for ways to contact Margot.